kittens and older cats can both learn. Uh, kittens can learn, obviously, at a young age. And I encourage people to train their kittens. Uh, the one thing I would say, though, with kittens is you want to focus less on actually training and more on socialization. And uh, so you want to make sure that they're not scared of things. Join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts. Learn from them. Listen to their war stories. Celebrate their wins and laugh at the funny moments that have been a part of their journey. Welcome to the Cat Explorer podcast. I'm Hasara. Today's episode's a bit different. While speaking to Julie from Cat School, I realized that we often get asked the same questions about cat exploring and cat training. So in this episode, we answer those questions from how to train your cat if they're not food motivated to what to do about kitty litter while you're exploring to how to react to those comments that you get while you're out and about with your cat. This episode is the second time we've had Julie on the podcast. If you haven't heard Julie's first episode, make sure you check it out because it's full of so much helpful information about training your cat. Scroll down in your podcast app or on our website to episode two, how to train your cat and enrich their life with cat school. And before we jump into this chat, we'd love to hear that you're listening along. So take a screenshot off your phone or a photo or video of what you're doing right now, upload it to your Instagram stories and tag us at catexplorer.community and at cat.school. We love resharing your thoughts on the podcast episodes and can't wait to hear what you learn from this one. We all know how important it is to enrich our kitties' lives. It helps keep them happy and use up that excess energy, which otherwise might be taken out on our furniture. Some of us do this via cat exploring or making our homes fun for our kitties. If you're like me, you probably don't want to go cat exploring when it's super cold or super hot, but your kitties still have that excess energy and they may feel a little cabin fever and bored. And a great way to keep your kitty entertained during those cold winter months or those boiling hot summer days is clicker training. I learned the hard way that I really needed some guidance with clicker training and the cat school program was exactly what I needed. There are step-by-step guides on how to start, how to teach your cat to do a fist bump, how to teach them to jump over your arms, and so many more tricks. Following the Cat School program has taught me so much more about how to train and look after our kitties than any book could have, and I'm so grateful that we gave it a go. And we've got a special treat for you. You can train your cats with the Cat School program and get 10% off the program and your own clicker training kit. Just use the code CATEXPLORER at checkout at catschool.co. That's catexplorer at catschool.co. Julie, thank you so much for joining us today for this very special Q&A episode on the Cat Explorer podcast. How are you going? I'm great. Thank you for having me. So let's dive right in. So a lot of what you do is about clicker training and training our cats. But what do you do if your cat's not food motivated? Okay, so (laughs) that's actually probably the most common question I get. Um, Usually I try to figure out what the person or what the owner is feeding their cat. And if they're feeding their cat dry food and leaving the food out all day, that does decrease the value of food. So that's my first step. So I always try to figure out what are you feeding your cat and are you leaving the food out? Leaving the food out all day is like giving someone a paycheck and then asking them to go to work. So they're not going to go to work if they already got their paycheck. (laughs) So we have to switch that around. And the first step is just switching to small scheduled uh, meals so that the food is not left in a bowl all day. And then the second thing I try to encourage people, because it just makes it really easy for having treats for training, is if they switch to um, more moisture-rich meals, so either wet food or raw, something with moisture in it, and then they reserve their kibbles or their dry food for training. So that's usually the two first things. I assess what they're feeding, their feeding schedule, and then I try to encourage them to create a difference between the meals and the treats, but making the dry food it can become the treat naturally really easily if they just switch to um, different meals. Yeah, that makes sense. That's exactly what you got us to do as well. And Mm -hmm. it really, really helped. So then what kind of treats should we be using to train our cat? So 
if the diet is the dry food and they are going to go that route, then the dry food can become the treats. And they make it, dry food can be really good treats because they're small and you can also throw them. So a lot of people have probably seen me throw treats, but it's one of the ways I get my cat to exercise. Uh, so the dry food is is good if you are already feeding your cat that. Uh, turn those into the treats. If you're not, if you've already upgraded your cat's food to raw or um, something like that, then I really like freeze-dried treats. That's what I use. So freeze-dried chicken, freeze-dried duck, freeze-dried turkey. There's all sorts of different flavors, but freeze-dried, you can break them into really small pieces. And if you're feeding your cat freeze-dried chicken, you're not going to feel bad about giving them a lot of treats because it's just little pieces of chicken versus, you know, using something more, you know, something more commercial, like something that has more ingredients in it or processed, mm -hmm. I should say, something more processed. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so I like freeze-dried treats. That's my treat of choice. Awesome. So do you get those in specialty pet food stores and things like that? Yeah, most of the pet stores carry freeze-dried treats and you can also find them online. Okay, awesome. So then how many treats should we use or do you have like a rule of thumb in terms of how many grams or whatnot mm -hmm. of treats I that we should be using? I'm not that careful. <laughs> I probably <laughs> should be more careful. So I just kind of guesstimate. <laughs> but if I know I'm giving more treats, I'll just give less meals, less portion size or smaller portion size, I should say. And because, like I said, I'm just giving pieces of chicken, I don't feel that badly about that. Mm. So... Yeah, for me, it's not really something that I pay too much attention to, although my goal would be to break the treats into the tiny. I think that's my biggest problem is that the freeze dried treats come in big pieces and getting, you know, a knife out and cutting them into tiny pieces is something I should do. But normally I just grab it and I kind of break them. And sometimes the pieces are too big because I know my cat will work for smaller pieces. And it's just me that's kind of not breaking them into the right size. So yeah, if I if I could do better, I, I would say just to, to make those treats really, really small. And one of the examples that I like to use is like, if you think about us eating a Smartie, like there's a massive size difference between us eating and eating a Smartie as a, or getting a Smartie as a reward, for instance. So if you look at that ratio and try to apply it to cats, the treats can be really, really small. So mm -hmm. I could do better at cutting them into smaller pieces, but paying attention and weighing them is just not something I'm committed to doing right now. <laughs> That's understandable. I do sometimes lock my, I have to lock myself in a room because otherwise the kitties will come and try and steal the treats while I'm cutting them. And I'll cut, yeah. we have a pair of scissors, really sharp scissors. Yes. And I just use those just to cut their treats. And I have them in a box so that I do it every so often and the box is there. And Yeah. And that's a good idea. And, and if you're prepared, that's one of the things that I think it's so important for training is to be prepared and to have all your supplies. If you have to start by cutting treats and you're just, it's just going to be a barrier. So, mm -hmm. and I don't want people to have any barriers to training their cat. So it's a good idea to kind of have everything ready when you're starting to train. So you don't have to kind of, because that could be stressful for you too, if you're trying to cut them and you have to put them in another room and you know it just starts to become a lot so yeah, yeah doing it before is something I should do I should you know make a better habit of cutting them before and cutting them into smaller pieces I do it while I'm listening to a podcast or watching something on go. my yeah. computer or something that's yeah. not really that I don't need to pay a lot of attention to one thing that like we didn't really chat about is how do you find the treats to train your cat if they're not food motivated like is that something that's challenging well Usually, like if there, if it is the dr the dry food situation, as I mentioned, where um, then it's super easy because then we're using the dry food as treats, so we don't have to. It's harder for that person to introduce a different meal. That's always the challenge because they'll say, oh, my cat doesn't like wet food or I tried to get my cat on wet food or raw food and it didn't work. So it's not about the treats in those situations. It's about the meals. It's about the diet. And there's all these ways to introduce your cat to new food. But what I always say to people is, you know, if you had a, a child say, I only want to eat McDonald's, would that be OK? No. So <laughs> we do have to work to change it. And it's just a slow and systematic process. There's lots of resources to help people, but it's less about the treats. It's more about the food mm -hmm. changing the cat to uh, upgrading the cat's diet is the first step to building food motivation and that naturally presents the opportunity for everything else to be a treat manufacturers of dry food know how to make them taste delicious <laughs> right they <laughs> want your cat to love it so they've done a great job at making those dry kibbles taste really good so that's why they're perfect for treats if that's what your cat loves and then so if you've already upgraded your cat's diet generally those people don't 
have as much of a hard time as finding finding treats like freeze dried. If your cat's already eating raw food, there's a lot of options for raw raw treats. And when you say upgraded the diet, you mean um, moving away from more of those processed foods to more natural stuff? Isn't exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of have a like think in my head as a spectrum. You know, you have dry food, and then you have sort of canned wet food, and then maybe you have a home cooked food, and then you have raw food, and it's just a process of figuring out how to upgrade your cat's diet. And like, I'm not perfect by no means. I'm always learning and and everyone should just research Mm -hmm. and figure out what's best and not listen to one person who says you should feed your cat uh, this or that, but to actually, you know, become more educated in it. And there's so the one thing I would say is like, there's a lot of Facebook groups for raw feeding and stuff. So if people are interested, a lot of good resources on upgrading food. So even just trying to figure out what food to feed our kitties has been quite a big journey for us because Noxie and Lumos are very different. So Lumos is very food driven and he would probably eat everything, whereas Noxie is quite picky. And what we've learned is actually very, like we actually do a variety of stuff. So they don't actually get the same food every day. And that's actually really helped us a lot. So like some days they might get raw, some days they might get a certain type of can. And then occasionally I will give them the not so great canned or kibbled stuff, but as a bit of a treat. But I don't do that on days that we do clicker training to manage what food they're getting. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think actually that's a really good point. The variety, I really believe strongly in the variety of the diet. And I think cat owners kind of get stuck in feeding that one food. And um, I have a very food motivated cat. He loves everything. And so I'm really lucky I can give him lots of different options. But I think it's worthwhile for people to work towards being able to give different proteins and stuff like that as well uh, to have a variety in case there is some sort of nutrient deficiency in what you're feeding, then now, you know, by switching the foods up, you're kind of avoiding that. Mm. Uh, so that I do subscribe to feeding a variety of different foods as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then we've been, talked about treats, but how do you rely, um, reduce the reliance on treats when you're training your cat? So one of the things I like to help people learn is to create a chain. And you see that a lot with dogs that do agility they're running through so if just let's just say an agility has like a weave pole thing and then a jump or a couple of jumps and a tunnel so you would teach each one independently but then you build a chain and the dog would go through all of them in one run and so how you teach that is you um there's it, it becomes a little bit more complicated because it's something called back chaining, <laughs> which we won't get into. But basically, it means you teach the, the chain backwards. So it, say it was weave, pull, jump. So say the last behavior is jump, then you would do weave, pull, then jump. And then you would do the behavior that came before that. So it would kind of be if it was like, let's say the behavior that's the third behavior is the one at the end, and then you go two, one. So you would teach two to three, and then you would teach one, two, three. So I hope that kind of makes sense. But instead of going forward, you actually teach it backwards and you add on more behaviors. And then in the end, you're giving less treats because you're doing all these behaviors in a chain. So you could get your cat to do like 10 behaviors. There's like a pigeon that did you know, thousands of pecs because someone took the time to like work with them and teach them that they have to, you know, they get a reward after a certain number. And so you can do that with a cat. You can just keep adding on to the chain, but it is a bit more sophisticated. And I do try to encourage people to, you know, kind of just start with the basics and then we can, uh, if the, if for instance, with the paw shake, you could teach, you know, say you teach high five fist bump. So you might teach high five first, give a treat. Then you teach fist bump, give a treat. But then you put it together. So then you have fist bump, high five, treat. And then you add another one before that. So maybe you have spin, fist bump, high five, treat. So now suddenly the cat has to do three, four, five behaviors before they get one treat. Mm, that makes sense. So then can you train kittens as well as older cats? Or is there a particular age that you should be focusing on? Uh, no, kittens and older cats can both learn uh, kittens can learn obviously at a young age and I encourage people to train their kittens uh, the one thing I would say though with kittens is you want to focus less on actually training and more on socialization and uh, so you want to make sure that they're not scared of things 
because that's they have like a smaller window of socialization versus dogs. So after, you know, say after three months, if your kitten's never met a dog and then suddenly they see a dog on the street when you decide you want to do leash walks, you know, a couple of years later, then they could be scary for them. So you want to kind of do your work of introducing them like I made a mistake with Jones my cat Jones and that didn't really introduce him to very many people so now when someone comes to our door he he's scared because I didn't socialize him I mean I got him a little bit older and stuff and I found him outside so you know I didn't really have a big window but still I didn't try because I didn't think about it so you do want to do that as a priority is make sure your cat is good with you know people and dogs and whatever they're going to see out in the world uh, get them used to it. And then you can do your training. And yes, you definitely want to start because you want to get your cat used to nail trims and going in a backpack and wearing a harness. It's so much easier to put a harness on a kitten than it is when your cat is, you know, three or four or five or 10. Or... So yeah, definitely. I, I would I would love to have another kitten and have a go at it and do things that I didn't get a chance to do. And yes, mm. older cats as well. Older cats can learn. There's no age that you would say, you know, they can't learn. If their food motivate, I always tell people food motivation is more important than age. If you've got a food motivated cat, you're good to go. If not, you got to spend time building that. Age is but not. It's possible. Oh, it is absolutely possible. Yeah. You've said this to me previously. I can't remember what it was on the podcast, but it's like saying that an older person can't learn new skills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not <Sorry>. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I don't, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. So when we first got Lumos and Noxy, I put so much effort into socializing them. I had so many friends over all the time. And then as we've had them for longer periods of time, we haven't had as many people come over so I've actually noticed that they've become a little bit more nervous around people coming over they're okay with people when we're exploring but when they see people come over they get a lot more they want to sit up high whereas in the past they used to get in the middle of everything so do you believe that consistency is also an important thing there yeah I do and I think it's also personality you know some Mm -hmm. animals just are it doesn't matter what you do they're kind of just born to be more social than other animals. Uh, consistency, yes, um, but con- it's always hard with consistency because like even if there's so many different people. So, you know, if you had, let's just say, for example, you had a cleaning person coming into your house and your cat could get to know that person, that's totally different than you having strangers over, you know. So, all you know, consistency with the cleaning, la- cleaning person would be great because they would get to know that person. So, yes, that would work well. Um, but if it's strangers and different strangers coming over, I, I don't think that it would be hard for, you know, a cat that's just naturally nervous or fearful of people. I don't think bringing people into the house, unless you were really doing training with it, like associating the person with good food and stuff, I, I just, it would be hard to change their mind and make it a positive experience for them. Okay, that makes sense. I think um, one of the things we realize is we just need to make sure that all our higher shelves Mm-hmm. especially for Noxia high shelves are clear clear so she can just sit there and watch everyone like a yeah and you can make like good like you can certainly try it can't hurt mm. to like good things come out when people come over so special mm. treats they get special treats when people come over uh and then they might you can see do like a little experiment but yeah I'm not guaranteeing <laughs> it would uh, it would work, but it's worth a shot. <laughs> Certainly, yeah, it's trying to make a positive experience of people coming over. It, you know, that would be good. Yeah, it's just really interesting. They're fine with people when we go out, but I suppose when they come into their space, they're a bit more um, anxious. And lately, it's been that we've had a lot of people come over at once rather than just one or two. So that's mm-hmm. probably why. Well, so it's also like space is a bit like keeping people at a distance. And when they come into the house, it's hard to manage that. But when you're outside, uh, like it would be the same thing if I, you, you know, you know, I do that. I introduce my cat to other cats outside, but there's tons of space. So I can always back mm-hmm. him away. And the other cat is always free to run away. But if I just tried bringing another cat into the house, it would be a disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that feeling of space is important and I think outside they maybe feel like they can run away or I don't know I don't know the setup that you're doing outside when they meet people but it might be different in the house they're they're more confined there might not be places as many places to go or hide and stuff actually when we're outside they jump into their backpack but when we're at home the backpacks are actually put away because we run out of space but maybe right. next time I'll have the backpack that's out that's interesting yeah that's worth a yeah. shot yeah I'll give that a go if that so if, then, they feel, if they feel that's a safe place I would definitely encourage encourage you to yeah 
Yeah, I'll do, I'll try that out next time. It's ex- it's all experimenting, isn't it? Yeah, it's experimenting. Yeah. And you also have to kind of pick and choose, like, what are you going to work on? What do you, you mm-hmm. know, uh, for a long time, I didn't really work on fear of people with Jones because I was like, oh, my God, am I going to give him treats for this too? Like, I was already doing, you know, I'm doing bag training. I'm doing trick training. <laughs> do I want to give him treats? And, and the other thing about trying to make these associations is if the cat gets treats for so many different things... They, the association won't work as well. If you wanted him to overcome their fear of people, you have to just, you know, really say good things happen with people and not much else. Like you want to make that one stand out. So with Jones, I was kind of like, oh, I'm working on all these things. I don't really want to work on people. And I didn't. And now I'm, I am working more on people. So like when we're outside, if he sees a person, I always give him a treat as soon as that person is about to pass mm-hmm. um, because I don't want him to be fearful of people outside. But I didn't bother working on it for a long time. And I think it's also like we all live busy lives. So you have to focus on what you have the time to do as well exactly. and prioritize. So Yeah. What are you going to yeah, be committed exactly. to doing? You know, how important is that one to you? Yeah, exactly. So then we've kind of touched on it already. Can you do more than one behavior or one trick per session? Yes, absolutely. You should You should do more than one because you want to figure out like, what your cat likes and I always like to do a bunch of behaviors and then if the cat doesn't like something he'll go back to the other one to let me know (laughs) let's just do this instead (laughs) so it's actually kind of funny to do a bunch of behaviors but yeah I think I like to do um I always say to do an active one so one that's active so like jumping through arms or jumping over your legs and I try to do more active ones at night too to tire him out and then one that's more brain work so something that they really have to think or problem solve and then and one for handling is always good. Like so you can't do too much of that where you're touching their paws or you're brushing them or brushing their teeth. I mean, I brush his teeth every night. So that would be mine that I'm always working on. I'm always working on, you know, getting him more comfortable touching his face, opening his mouth, all that stuff. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd work on those like three, three, those three types for each session. That's a really good idea. So can you and how do you train your cat outside? Well, the first step, and I always ask people, is like teach them the basics indoors because if your cat is not listening and not attentive and not eating treats and not responding to you indoors, you're not going to have success outdoors. So f- the basics happen indoors. Then when they're doing the basics indoors, you can start taking them outside in a load, you know, in, a, in an environment that's not too distracting. So if that's possible, I know everyone kind of has different situations and stuff outside their house like I have a porch so for me I can go out on the porch and work with my cat but if you had a yard that would be really good if someone had a yard we don't have a yard but that would be great because you know it's not but I guess some people would say oh my god my yard is super distracting so you have to kind of figure out what works for your cat and then bring your really good treats and start doing the easy behaviors first and giving lots of rewards for attention and stuff but I probably might not suggest trying to think if I would actually say to do it not right away but let your cat explore the environment a bit and then yeah I think that that's kind of what works for us is I don't expect him to have tons of attention when we first go outside but after you know maybe 15-20 minutes then I would start asking him to do stuff. That makes sense. So we're all about cat exploring but what do you do if your cat's terrified about going outside? I try to always help people figure out like what is their cat's threshold where they can eat food and notice the outdoors. So that could be two, I'll use meters. <laughs> do you guys use meters? Yeah, <laughs> we meters, use meters. Two meters uh, away from the door that you can open the door and the cat will look outside um, and make sure when you're doing this, they're wearing their harness. Obviously, we're not you know, opening doors without harnesses on and stuff like that. But you have their harness on, you're ready to go, but you find the spot where they can still function. They're still either not too nervous that you they can't eat. So that's like the thresh. We call that the threshold, which is the spot where they do- the cat, sorry, the dog, the cat notices that the door is open, <laughs> but they can still eat food. And you try to gradually move them closer and closer using food, but not, not luring them, not guiding them with the food, but more just making a positive association with, so you You'd set them up in their zone where they're comfortable. If people use like a mat or like, like I like to use the mat. So I would do an exercise where the cat is going on their mat and then I throw a treat off the mat 
away from the door. And then when they come back to the mat, I may have moved it slightly closer to the door. And then I, again, reward the cat on the mat for going to the mat. And then I throw the treat away from the mat, from them in the door to give them a bit of relief. And then it's up to them if they want to come back to the mat. And then I slowly move the mat closer and closer to the door. So I kind of combine the training, the treats, and showing them that, you know, the door is open, but they can still be attentive. That's kind of the strategy that I would use until eventually they're kind of peeking their head outside and then you're still feeding them. And But they have to be in control. No one can ever force their cat to go outside. And I do like to use training and treats because it's a gauge for how nervous your cat is. If your cat won't respond to any training and won't eat the treats, you've gone way over the threshold and you have to back it up. Good news is like every day we want to give our cat a bit of enrichment. So how far you get doesn't really matter. You're you're giving them lots of enrichment by standing, you know, two meters away from the door and they at least get to smell the fresh air and you're still working with them. So it's not really such a big deal to get outside because you're, you're doing the same thing. You're, you're giving them the enrichment. That's really what it's about. It's not about, you know, how far you get. It's about are they growing? Are they learning? Are they being, you know, having like an enriched day? <laughs> are they mm-hmm. getting to do something? So that's more like it's it's not the goal. So it's just like the journey, you know, that cheesy mm-hmm. statement, but it's true. <laughs> it is true. And it's so true, though, because if we were within four walls for 22 hours a day, we would go nuts, right? Mm-hmm. We would need to get out and get some air. And, and our cats are exactly the same as well. Like it, mm-hmm. it just really does help them. But um, one thing, one question I did have is, for example, I live currently live in an apartment or a condo, mm-hmm. and I previously lived in a house. And the way we managed getting our cats outside in those two different environments was different. So, yeah. is there a different way to train them if they're ter- like scared about going outside? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, I should. This is a good question because I should mention that if the cat has a safe zone it can become a lot easier. And so like, as you know, for your cats, the safe zone is their backpack, or it could be like a stroller. So Mm. that can help them build confidence, because they know that they can always run back in. So if, for instance, someone was working on getting their fearful cat outside, but they lived in a building, it would be really hard because after they left the front door, they'd be in the hallway and then then they'd have to go in an elevator and down the stairs and it would be really stressful. And then if the cat got nervous, they wouldn't be able to run back to their unit because, you know, they have to go through doors and elevators. And, and so that would really affect the cat's confidence because they don't know how to get back to their safe zone. So for those people, I definitely recommend backpack training or using a stroller. Stroller is really good. I know it's weird, (laughs) might be considered weird. Um, But it's just for safety reasons. It's just a really great way. Or the backpack like you guys use is just if you do the training and your cat loves the backpack like you've accomplished, that's amazing. Then they're climbing the backpack when they get nervous. So backpack, stroller are the two things for people in buildings I think are just essential. If you have a house and you're kind of getting to that point where your cat is, you know, you've done your work and you've kind of done that exercise that I was saying about moving the mat forward and now they're kind of by the door, you can kind of have them, you know, looking outside and exploring a little bit at the front. But as soon as they get nervous, like maybe a dog walks by, they just run back in the house. You keep your door Mm -hmm. open slightly so they can just feel like they always can get back to the zone where they feel comfortable and that will give them the confidence to keep exploring Mm -hmm. so we've just gone through all the questions like the most common questions you get asked julie so we'll shift gears and we'll jump into the most common questions that i get asked about cat exploring so we're also shifting the gears in terms of you'll be asking the questions (laughs) All (laughs) all right so Okay, you tell me, how do you start cat exploring? I suppose a big part is also understanding what cat exploring is because everyone immediately thinks of climbing a mountain or going on a paddleboard or going to a cafe, but there are so many different ways to go cat exploring and sometimes that's just going out on your balcony or like going into your backyard or going into your front yard somewhere where there's a little bit of air and I think the main thing to start cat exploring is making sure that your cat is harness trained and backpack trained getting those basics down pat Mm -hmm. and then slowly going into places where there aren't that much sounds or people or noises or animals that can scare your cat and then slowly expanding those boundaries as your cat 
becomes more comfortable. One thing that we actually did was we started with our little courtyard, which has four very high fences. So there wasn't really anything that would scare our cat. And then mm-hmm. we moved to a laneway, which occasionally gets a person or two. And then we moved to a local park. And then we just slowly expanded the boundaries till we started going to busier and busier places. Yeah, that makes perfect yeah. sense. I always was curious about trying Jones in the tennis court. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Have you ever tried that? Like, I've never taken him to one, but I, I just think it would be a good option because it would, you know, be fully enclosed and safe and uh, as long as people aren't playing tennis there. <laughs> but yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like, starting with something like that, like the courtyard is great and yeah, moving towards more, but exploring is just like the word. It doesn't really have to be a big environment. It can just be whatever your cat finds interesting and different that they can you know, smell, like walk around and explore scent and scents and all that stuff. So that makes perfect sense. Okay, so how do you harness train a cat? So I think this is a great spot to plug your program. (laughs) (laughs) The cat school has a great harness training program. And I think the thing that a lot of people struggle with is finding the right harness as well. So every cat, every person, every activity you do is different. So just because Mm -hmm. a harness worked for me, doesn't mean that it will work for you and I think it's a bit of a journey where you do learn that kind of stuff and you do need to think about the kind of activities you want to do with your cat and what your cat is comfortable with and initially like there are different ways that you can harness train a cat we've also got a great guide to about the basics if you subscribe to our mailing list so I'll put all those links in the show notes usually it starts with some positive association with the harness and then getting your cat used to wearing the harness as well as getting some positive association and then introducing them to those outdoor environments like for us it was the courtyard or it could be a balcony and then slowly expanding those boundaries Mm -hmm. yeah that makes perfect sense the one thing I will add is just in terms of the styles of the harness like it does depend a lot on the personality of the cat so like Mm -hmm. if your cat is super fearful you might want to get a a harness that protects them even more that they you know they the focus is on not slipping out so like Jones is very fearful he has backed out of two other harnesses so I he's on like a vest harness that covers half of his body and makes it harder (laughs) to slip out whereas if you have you know it's more of a chilled out cat you're not really worried about them getting nervous but you that you're worried that they won't walk with the harness on because it's something they've never worn before you might try something thinner and you know just get them used to it and having fun and that's that so it's not about you know you're not super worried maybe they're they're slow and they're, <laughs> they're not going to run away or dart off like I have to worry about with my cat if he gets nervous so it, it does depend on the personality of the cat what your harness selection is yeah definitely and I think also what you're going to do so for example I wouldn't put a jacket harness on a cat who's about to go into the water because the jacket harness would take on a lot more water if they get wet so Mm -hmm. I'd probably use a um, a H harness or um, something we found Australia doesn't get that cold but it did get a little bit cold this winter when we were going into the mountains so we initially tried to put our vest harness and the jackets on the kitties and it was just too thick and bulky so we had to put yeah so we had to put a h harness on for those and some Um, of the people with the vest harnesses um that have like a lot of fur those can have velcro and that can be problematic for those cats because you know the fur and the velcro are kind of getting stuck (laughs) the fur can get stuck um i mean our cat my cat's has short hair so it's never been a problem but yeah so that's the thing there's lots of different variables that people have to but the most important thing is just to make it a positive experience as you Mm -hmm. said and just you know like for instance you show the just like really quickly you show the cat the harness then you give them treat then you sort of touch them with the harness give them a treat and you do this over many many days not in one session and then you know you sort of just lay it on their back for a second give them a treat take it off and you just keep going then you lay it on for two seconds and you just keep going and going like that step by step making it a positive experience Mm -hmm. yes exactly so what are the limits of cat exploring and are you still cat exploring if you are in your backyard yes so definitely I think this is potentially I might have answered this before but (laughs) yeah like we always think oh we see all those cats climbing mountains or they're in a kayak or they're doing these adventurous things and yes that's cat exploring but you can do cat exploring in your own way as well and it also depends on your cat like we need to understand what our cat's limits are as well. So for some cats, all they ever want to do is sit in their backyard and that's completely fine and that is cat exploring as well. The whole point is just getting outside with your cat and giving them that opportunity to see something else other than what's within your four walls. 
and doing it in a safe manner. So um, because cats who roam can have, like it can reduce their lifespan from like up to three to four times because they could get hit by a car or they could ingest something that's toxic to them and things like that. So that's why we always say that it's great to go exploring with your cat rather than letting them do it by themselves. And you can do so many different things. Like it really depends on your personality and their personality and what you enjoy doing and what they enjoy doing. So for example, Noxie and I, we love hiking. Daniel and Lumos hate hiking. <laughs> so like if Daniel and Lumos had they were they would just constantly just go to cafes or pubs and things like that. Whereas Noxie and I, we would be constantly hiking <laughs> and maybe one day in a kayak. But that's not something I trust Daniel with. <laughs> so it like really depends on your skills as well and what they're willing what your cat is willing to do. Yeah, that makes sense. So how do you get your cat used to busy streets? This is a hard one because I don't believe every cat gets used to busy streets because the reality is there's lots of noises from the people walking by there's lots of noises from cars going by it can be quite an overwhelming experience so I think if you need to take your cat on a busy street the first thing you really need is a cat backpack or a stroller that's their safe spot that's where they can hide in and I think if you find that your cat's not used to being in a busy street if they're getting really anxious do your best to avoid it so we've had situations where we've realized that we had to go down a main road and instead what we did was we moved to a parallel road that was a lot quieter it meant that we had to walk about another extra five minutes but it was worth it because it meant that when we got to our destination the kitties weren't stressed but in saying that it is possible to get them used to a bit of busy areas but I think it's that thing where you do it in slow boundaries so you start with an area that's slightly busy and then as they become comfortable go to another area that's a bit more busy and then you just slowly increase Mm -hmm. those thresholds. I'll give you a few of the tips that I use because we do live in downtown Toronto, which is very busy. So he is on a bit of a longer leash. So if people are passing and stuff, he can get some distance. So say I'm walking him on the sidewalk and then there's these lawns. He can, if he sees a person, he can just go on the lawn and our leash is uh, 10 feet. So he has that distance away from people. And even a 12 foot sometimes, actually, no, it's 12 foot. Uh, Ours is 12 feet and it gives him enough distance to get away from people. The other thing is the time of day. I've noticed a huge difference if I walk him at like 6.30 in the morning or 6.45 versus 8. And sometimes I have to be careful because we'll be out and then it starts to get busy. And then now I'm far from home and I have to keep, you know, I have to get him home quickly uh, because it is busier um, at that time. So but when I walk him early in the morning, it's much better because there's just so less people outside. The other thing that I will say is go the same route. (laughs) I've learned this. I take him on the same circle every day. So he knows his hiding spots. He's gotten so used to, you know, he he feels more comfortable because he knows all the safe zones that he can go to where he can like tuck into some grass and let a few people come by. And I also know, you know, how I can get him home quickly and where he stops and where he'll be scared and stuff. So I really really like repeating the pattern over and over again until we get confident and then I'll kind of add to it a little bit but I always try to keep it very like keep the circle or the loop that we do uh, consistent yeah so those are kind of my my tips with the time of day have a longer line I don't use a flexi leash with him because if he started suddenly, that has happened to me. I know some people use it and I would use it if I was in more of a park environment, but not on a busy street because if you're not holding that leash and they suddenly dart, they could end up on the road mm-hmm. so or get tangled and stuff. So I don't use a flexi. That's that's something I don't encourage people to use in, in, in busy cities. Mm-hmm. That, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. How do you keep your cat cool and hydrated in the summer? I think this is quite, this can get quite tough, um, especially when it's hot and humid. So I think the first thing to think about is, do you really want to take your cat out when it's really, really hot? I would recommend that you don't when it's a really hot weather or um, temperature or even like the sun is bearing down on you. Sometimes the temperature might be low, but because of the sun, your cat can feel overheated within the backpack. So really think about that. But there are ways that if you're out and about and you find that you need to keep your cat cool, something that we do a lot is we will wet our cat head so we just take some water put it on our hand and then what um pat their head with it so that it cools them down a little bit that way there have been times when um we've accidentally found ourselves in the sun for too long and we've actually done that for their whole body as well and sometimes we also just um there are a few ways to get your cat drinking water i know some people like using syringe feeding but i think that does require some training um so 
if that is something you want to do, just do some training for that. We also sometimes, once again, put the water on our hand and wet our cat's lips. So then they will lick the water off that way as well. And I use a lot of creamy treats. So I would either add water into their treats and it just gets a bit mushy and then they'll eat it. Or we will just use those creamy tube-like treats as well. The ideal thing is to get your cat to drink water while you're out and about, but that's that can be quite challenging. I think it's hard enough to get your cat to drink water at home, let alone when you're exploring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. What do you do if your cat is scared of new experiences? I think this is back to their threshold as well and trying to understand what their thresholds are. So I always make sure that our cats have a safe space. So for example, the backpack or the stroller. And before we try these new experiences, our cats have been trained to use those as their safe spaces. So they know that if they're nervous, they can just go in there. And we always, I I recommend that you always start with like, just testing it so putting your foot in so for example if you want to go to a cafe with your cat try and find a cafe that's got outdoor seating and that's relatively quiet and then as they become comfortable with those noises then go to a cafe that's got more people and slowly expand that way or if you um I know a lot of people want to go on the water with their cats once again this isn't for all cats it's something that you need to see if your cat gets comfortable with it so I would suggest starting in the shallow area doing very short periods of time on your kayak or on your stand-up paddleboard and if your cat is responding well to it slowly expand that amount of time and the how adventurous you are with it but I think we also need to be aware that our cats aren't always up to everything so if they look uncomfortable if they feel uncomfortable if they're showing signs of nervousness or anxiety we need to remember to pull back and not to be disappointed by it as well because you don't want your cat to feel stressed the whole point you're going cat exploring is for them it's fun for us but it's also for them so Mm -hmm. we want them to be happy I think that's a great answer I won't add anything to it (laughs) you're welcome to (laughs) Uh, what do you do for kitty litter Oh, I'm not going to lie. This was something that we struggled with a lot initially. Um, There are so many different things that you can do. So I know a lot of you have different forms of portable kitty litter trays. So what, what I personally do is I've bought a big Tupperware container and I fill that up with kitty litter and we just, it's so easy because we just grab it before we go anywhere and we leave it in the car. And um, it's actually been great when we've been to friends' places or hotels or like had that sudden trip that we just couldn't even plan for and just had to take it with us. And if our kitties decide to go to the bathroom while we're outside, we always pick it up using a doggy bag so we have those doggy bags available as well I know that for some people if it's in a bush they think it's okay but you don't want to be the person cleaning up that bush and then having to accidentally find some cat poo while you're trying to trim the bush so um, that's why we always clean it up and like if you're on the beach we always make sure that we clean Mm -hmm. it up there as well I know some people when they go camping they take um, like little shoe boxes and they line that with plastic bags to help because it's a bit smaller than carrying a Tupperware container. It's easier to have that in your bag. So that's an option as well. We've actually got an article with links to different types of disposable kitty litter trays that you can buy and that you can use for the for cat exploring. So I'll include a link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, we use the Tupperware system. I like that. It's just so easy to get it in the car and out of the car and there's no mess and so he even like um after our most recent trip i just started getting him to use the tupperware uh all the time so like the big plastic container the biggest plastic mm-hmm. um, see-through container that's what he's using as his litter box now <laughs> because i realized that when i went away he hadn't he wasn't used to using it and i was nervous if he wasn't going to go in it so then when i brought it home i was like you know what i'm just going to set this up next to the other boxes and he's been going in it so he likes it so that's good news for me but i like that system um mm-hmm. and he will go outside on which I love I always get really proud of him for doing that Mm -hmm. (laughs) so sometimes people ask me about like toilet training their cats and but I'm not about toilet training I'm about teaching him to go outside (laughs) that would be my goal I love like when I see him go outside because it just makes it so easy (laughs) yeah yes and after having you know like after having dogs I mean that's what I'm used to so if I have a cat that's more dog-like I'm always you know, excited about that. (laughs) Uh, What do you do when people stare at you? Or what do you do or say when people stare at you? So that's a one that I know bothers a lot of people. And it it sometimes bothers me. It really does depend on my mood as well. So I think how I respond does depend on my mood. If I'm having a good day, and I'm 
feeling a bit bubbly, I even if they're saying something, if I can hear them saying something that's a bit negative, I will just put on this super bubbly, super happy thing and be like, oh, do you want to take a photo of my cat? And I know that they're probably teasing us about it, but sometimes I find that they get really thrown off by, it's a bit like killing them with kindness. They get so mm-hmm. thrown off that way. I just have no, like, they expect me to pick up on their vibes, but I pretend that I have no idea. And then they just actually end up being quite kind. And then I actually, a big thing that I do is I tell them about everyone in our community. I tell them about what you guys do. So like, for example, the ones of you who go to national parks or go hiking or like all the amazing things that you do. And that really seems to just make them stop and think and realize that this is a thing and that there are so many people out there that do it. There are times when particularly if I'm in a bad mood or I'm not really in the mood to be talking to people, I'll just smile and walk off. Or sometimes I just ignore it and I just walk off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I know that's probably not the right um, perspective to do, but I find that if we engage with what people are saying, if they're being negative, it ends up becoming a c- confrontation and you're there looking after your cat. You don't want to be confronting someone else. And if anyone's like me, if I get mad, then I find that I struggle to manage my emotions even looking after our cat. So I'd rather just stay calm and mm-hmm. it's just easier to walk away. Yeah, that makes sense. I It's funny because I think because I am introverted and I, I usually assume people think it's more weird and I kind of try to avoid. But then when we actually make contact, it's usually more positive than I had mm. expected. So that always kind of surprises me. So like even with construction workers, that's kind of, I guess, who I get the most stressed about because I I just think they're, you know, making fun of me Mm. with one another. But then if I actually make, you know, eye contact, sometimes I'm so surprised. Like a a bunch of times they've said, you know, oh, I let my cat out on a leash too. You know, like you don't know. Uh, You can't assume that people are staring at you because they think it's weird. They might be trying to, engage with you and say you know what we do that too like we do that with our cat too or what they might say to me which is I really wanted to do that with my cat and I didn't know how to get them on a harness like how did you do that or where did you get your harness from so it's funny but I think my first assumption is oh people are looking at me people are staring at me what I'm doing is weird and then it usually turns out to be the opposite that that was just my you know my stuff and not what was going on at all and it's an opportunity to connect with people too so it's yeah I haven't had very many negative experiences about people uh from people like staring at me or anything and Maybe that's also where you, I think it's probably dependent on where you live too. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think a lot of the time, the people who are trying to take the sneaky photos, they're cat lovers too as well. Yeah. So if you like engage with them, like the number of times I've been like seeing someone trying to take a sneaky photo and then I've been like, I've positioned Daniel so they can take the photo properly. And then ask, like then they've said something about, oh, I want to do that with my cat. Oh, here's a photo of my cat. Look at what yeah, my cat can do and exactly. stuff. And, and those, I love those conversations because you hear more about cats. Yeah. But it is, um, I will admit, as an introvert, it is challenging. And it's also knowing your moods as well. Like mm-hmm. if you're not up to it, don't put yourself through it. Like just walk mm-hmm. away. Yeah. And it, it also like if you have a cat that's scared of people, you're not going to stay mm-hmm. and engage you don't want them coming over and approaching you and <laughs> if your cat is scared, <laughs> that's not a good scene. I think, um, and then in those situations, you can just be like, my cat's a little bit scared and scared, nervous yeah. about people. So I'm just going to walk away because I want them to be comfortable. And most people yeah. would understand that. Yeah, absolutely. What do you do if you see an off-leash dog? This is another one that I know that everyone is really concerned about. I'd love to say, oh, um, confront the owner and tell them to put their dog on leash. But the first thing you really need to think about is your cat and how you can keep your cat safe and yourself safe. So I'd recommend definitely using your safe spot and putting your cat in that safe spot. So what I personally do is it's taken us about a year to train our cats to do it, but they've learned to now jump into the backpack when they feel nervous. So they normally see an off-leash dog. We do a little bit of a squat and they jump straight into the backpack. And I think that's a great option. Um, Some of you I know actually pick up your cats and hold them. If your cat sees you as a safe space and is comfortable being held, I think that's a great option as well. One thing I do do is I'll pick up our cats and I will actually walk to the side of the trail and I'll actually turn them away so they can't see the dog. And yes, they can still smell it. But for some reason, if they don't see the dog, they rea- uh, our cats react less and then the dogs tend to 
not see us as well and they'll walk straight past. But those are the options I use. I know there are so many out there that you can use, but I think if you can, it would be great to engage with the owners and ask them to leash their dogs. But if it ends up becoming a confrontation, I think it's easier for you and safer for you to just walk away as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't tend to engage with people. I tend to manage the situation on my own. (laughs) But luckily, I haven't had too many bad experiences. But I did that one, like what you said, I picked the cat up and I picked Jones up and I turned my back. There was a Great Dane off leash, a huge dog. um, And I picked him up and I turned my back. And that seemed to really keep him calm. He didn't see the dog and you know, but then I realized the dog was actually friendly and Jones likes dogs. So it wasn't a problem. <laughs> it's, it's it's only for the split second where I just have to worry if the dog is, you know, the kind of dog that mm. would chase a cat or try to hurt a cat. But many mm. of the dogs are not. They're just, mm. you know, easygoing and probably won't do much or probably are even nervous of seeing cats and would even kind of back away or kind of look but not know, you know, the, there's only certain dogs I'm really worried about is, you know, the kind of dog that would kill a squirrel or <laughs> that kind of dog that would go mm-hmm. after a small animal. But luckily, we haven't met any of those yet. <laughs> it's good to be prepared and certainly being able to pick up your cat or put them in a backpack is amazing. The stroller, same thing. That safe zone um, is such a good idea. And be careful, though, if your cat doesn't let you pick them up and, and when they're nervous because they could redirect mm-hmm. towards you and bite you. So that's a big thing that people have to look out for uh, when mm-hmm. your cat is nervous. You know, it's not bite the one you want. It's bite the one you're with. They can just turn and bite you. So that's why like a backpack is better than picking them up if they are going to get nervous and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I don't know whether there's, there's any science to this, but Noxie has a thing where if I just bounce up and down while holding her and singing her name, which makes <laughs> me sound like a big idiot on the trails, but it seems to calm her down a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever done a study on that. <laughs> Let's get 20 people to jump yeah. up and down with their cats and sing. And then we'll like measure their cortisol and <laughs> see how it goes. Um, I'll make I'll see if I can find some researchers interested. (laughs) That would be an amazing study. I'd love to be involved with that. (laughs) So those are all the questions that we had from you guys for both of us. Julie, thank you so much for joining us for this special Q&A. And if you guys have any questions, you know where to reach us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on this amazing conversation. It was a lot of fun. I always learn so much from Julie and I can't wait to hear what you've learned too. Or do you have a different answer to the questions we've answered today? Let us know by taking a screenshot of your phone, uploading it to your Instagram stories, tagging us at catexplorer.community and at cat.school and let us know your thoughts. If you love this podcast, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. The reviews really do help us continue to make this podcast for you as they help us bring on sponsors and guests. When you do leave a review, please let us know. We'll share your review in future episodes and we're going to start sharing them with credit to you on our Instagram, Facebook and so much more. That's it for today. We'll catch you next time. And in the meantime, enjoy giving your kitty the world.